Thank you, thank you. You may be seated. Oh, you are on your arm. Okay. Grant, uh, wife, works for a company that uh, does summer camps for uh, Christian musicians, and she has been given the opportunity to go on a cruise, uh, a music cruise, and uh, she was allowed to let uh, Grant sneak in the suitcase. And uh, so they're out this morning uh, doing that, and we'll be back next week, so you get me. However, uh, I'm going to finish his last week's sermon. Grant uh, loads his sermon with about eight points, and then he goes bang, 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 bang. And the, la the last ones are, are a little hard to keep up with, and he made some major good points uh, last week at the end that I'm afraid we missed uh, out on a little bit. So I want to do that. We're sharing uh, the difference between greed and letting God be Lord of all. Greed and letting God be Lord of all. The Bible's very particular when it says you cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon is not just money. Mammon is materialism, period. And as Grant pointed out earlier, you can be stone broke and still be focused on material things. Uh, there are people who have it and their, their whole uh, identity is uh, wrapped up in what they have. There are others who have nothing and their whole identity is wrapped up in poor little old me, what I don't have. And neither of those is focusing on the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the Bible says, having food and covering, therefore be content. Contentment is what we're all looking for. That's what we're looking for, is contentment. And the Bible's very careful in the book of Ecclesiastes to say, he that loveth silver will never be satisfied with silver. He that desires things will never be happy with things. Things, you know, uh, people who, there's a big difference between happiness and contentment. Now, you know, you can look at a fellow like myself and understand I like eating. And uh, if I had to, tonight the very best steak that there could be. I don't care about money. Money, just because steak's $100 steak doesn't even mean it's that good. But I'm talking about the very best steak you could absolutely eat. And I get through uh, 730, 8 o'clock, and I say, Oh, my Lord, that is, I am so happy. That is absolutely the best meal I have ever had. At 7 o'clock tomorrow night, it might as well have been a bologna sandwich. Why? Because I'm ready to eat again. And no matter how good it was the night before, it didn't satisfy me the rest of my life. I got to have something else to eat. You understand? Happiness is like that. Contentment is different. Contentment is different. Contentment is if I get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich tonight, great. I'm full. I've had something to eat. If it's bologna and crackers, great. I've had something to eat. Okay? But the deal is, is I'm content 
as long as God has provided whatever he has provided. Now, if you can learn, and Paul had said this, Paul said, whatever state I'm in, I have learned to be content. Big difference. Big difference. Now, we might as well all understand contentment is not ever wrapped up. It'll never be wrapped up in what I have, who I am, or what I do. People try it all the time. They try for power. They try for prestige. Doesn't satisfy. Some of the most miserable people on the planet are some of the most famous people on the planet. It doesn't do. That prestige doesn't do them any good on earth. Some of the most corrupt and unhappy people on the earth are those people who are the most powerful. And how much money does it take to make a rich man happy? Just a little more. He's never satisfied. He's always unhappy. Do you understand that? And what the Bible is teaching us is it's not sermons about giving, 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 giving. It's sermons about who's in charge of your life. Is it stuff or God? Who has control? And so we have two messages today uh, that talk, I mean, two, two passages of Scripture. And I meant to look them up so somebody who finds them first in the little white Bible can scream out the numbers. But the first is Luke 18. And the other one's going to be Luke 12, and so that's not too far apart. So anybody got your little white Bible from underneath the uh, pew? By the way, if you don't have a Bible... Those things are a big dollar seventy-five. Those little white Bibles that are under the pew, we paid a huge dollar seventy-five for them. So if you would like to have a Bible, please consider that our gift and take it with you. You know, that's not, I believe we can afford another Bible or two if you need to take one with you, don't y'all? I believe we can. So uh, anybody now found out what page Luke's 18's on? That was as clear as mud. 750? Okay. Got it. Probably on both pages. All right. You just get there and you won't have to turn back very far when we get to Luke 12. All right. I believe we can handle that. Now, I couldn't find one of those in print big enough for me to read. So mine's on a piece of paper. <laughs> All right, Luke 18, 18. Luke 18, 18. An important man asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. In other words, Jesus is asking the question, do you consider me God? Do you consider me the Messiah? Do you think I am the promised one? And now we're going to find out. You know the commandments. Be faithful in marriage. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not tell lies about others. And respect your father and mother. He told Jesus, well, I've obeyed these commandments since I was a young man. I don't think that's exactly right, but maybe he made a good shot at him anyway. Then when Jesus heard this, he said, well, there's one thing you still need to do. 
go and sell everything you own, give the money to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven, then come and be my follower. When the man heard this, he was sad because he was very rich. And the other passage says he went away sad. Now, I don't know that Jesus actually intended for him to sell everything he had, but Jesus did know this. The man put his stuff ahead of his God. And the only way he could demonstrate that he had broken with the stuff was to get rid of the stuff and follow Jesus. Now, the passage in another, in another one of the gospels says that he was to pick up his cross and follow Jesus. Now, let me tell you all that meant was, he said to the young man, are you willing to walk the path of the cross? Are you willing to follow me even if it leads to the cross? The pathway of sacrifice, the pathway of putting me first and following the way of the cross. So this guy had two choices. He had a choice now to continue in his ways of uh, materialism or he had to abandon his materialism and be ready to follow Christ at every cost. Same choice. Didn't change. Same choice today. May not just be money. It may be some pursuit it may be, uh, you know, some material gain. It may be some personal gain. It may be some fame, some fortune. It may be some dream, some goal. But it interferes with your allegiance to Jesus Christ. There's something to you that's more important than Jesus. And that's what this passage is about. Putting anything more important in your life than Jesus Christ. And so, and in fact, there's another question asked here. After he left, Jesus saw how sad the man was, and he says, it's terribly hard for rich people to get into God's kingdom. Now, you see, we're all looking at each other, and we're saying, well, we're not rich, so this doesn't apply to us. Just get out and travel over the world a little while. Just get out and travel a little bit, and you and I figure out that the poorest person in this country has more than most of the rich folks in other countries. Now I'm telling you that we are already rich. And uh, now it goes on to say, in fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into God's kingdom. If somebody's putting anything their wealth, their prestige, their pride, their fame, whatever they, their goals could be, it could be hobbies, could be hobbies, could be addictions. Anything that you're putting ahead of God are those things that are stealing from you. Could be an affair, could be pornography, could be anything, even if it's secret, even if you think nobody, it's something that you know is between you and God, and that thing is more important. Now, giving it up's tough. It's hard. And it says that that type of person has about as much chance of getting to heaven as a camel going through the eye of a needle. And when the crowd heard this, they say, well, how can anybody be saved? I heard you just ask that question. <laughs> 
He said, well, heck, who's going to be saved here? And the reply is, there are some things that people cannot do, but God can do anything. Thank God for grace, huh? Thank God for grace. Wow. Then Peter said, well, remember, we have left everything to be your followers. Peter doesn't got feeling good about this. Huh? Peter was, Peter was strutting. Hey, I got one right. You know, he didn't get them all right. He, he blew it pretty regular. But he was strutting now. He said, I finally got one right. We've left everything. And Jesus said, you can be assured that anyone who gives up home or wife or brothers or family or children because of God's kingdom. Now, wait a minute. It didn't say walk off and leave your family. But come here. Have you ever done something you knew God wanted you to do and then have to look in your spouse's face and realize she wasn't exactly or he wasn't exactly on board with that? Have you ever had to, to give time or money or attention to something God wanted you and your little kids don't understand? Huh? And they're wondering, well, you're just putting that old church ahead. It never comes down to you putting God ahead. Somebody always got to, you always put church ahead of us. You know. Well, if you've lived in a preacher's house, it really gets that way every now and then. Now, here's what Jesus said. You'll never, you'll never cause that, that lack. You'll never cause that lack in your family that uh, will be given much more, look now, in this life and in the future world to come. You understand? God's not just going to leave you naked and destitute. That's not the way he operates. He loves you, remember? Okay. But sometimes there's a test of which means the most. My stuff or his stuff. And the test is his stuff has to be the most important. And when you do that, though, he still will be interested in your stuff. So you get two choices here. Be interested in your stuff by yourself or have God's help with your stuff. I believe he's able to do my stuff better than I am. Okay? Now, there's a second passage I want to get to right quick. And it's Luke 12. 15 through 21. So that ought not be hard to find. Just whip on over there from uh, 749. Just turn backwards a little bit. You know, that's 48, 47, 40. Okay. That's going backwards, right? And we're going to get to Luke 12, 15. Then he said to the crowd, don't be greedy. Owning a lot of things won't make your life safe. Now he's fixing to give an illustration. Jesus told them a story. A rich man's farm produced a big crop. And he said to himself, I like the King James. He said to himself, self, <laughs> what can I do? I don't have a large place enough to store everything. Later he said, now I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll be bigger ones. And there I can store all my grain, all my other goods. And then I'll say to myself, self, <laughs> you, 
you have stored up enough things to last for years to come. Live it up. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. God said to him, fool, tonight you will die. Boy, all the money in the world didn't protect him from that one thing. You know what uh, Job calls death? He calls death the king of terrors. The king of terrors. Because what bothers you and what scares you may not scare me. You understand? Your phobias and fears may not be my phobias and fears. My phobia and fears may not be yours. But there's one thing that was one enemy we all got. There's one terror going to catch us every one death. And it doesn't matter who you are. It, don't, it doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter, you know, how much fame and fortune, how much power, how much control you had. You're going to die. Andy Rooney almost made it. Said he won't work till he died. He missed it a month. You know. But guess what? He died. Now, you can be sure that if anyone gives this... Oh, wait a minute. I jumped way back up. Excuse me. Let's drop back down to uh, where we were in uh, verse 19. I'll say to myself, you stored up these things for years to come, live, drink. But God said to him, you're a fool. Tonight you'll die. Then who will get what you have stored up? This is what happens to people who store up everything for themselves but are poor in the sight of God. I saw something on the internet this week that there's a course. They're doing a study and they're going to, they're, they're writing a book and they're going to do uh, seminars on how to keep family money beyond the third generation. Study after study after study after study has shown when rich people leave their money to their family, it's all gone after the third generation. It's all gone after the third generation. Because the boy didn't work like his daddy did to get it, and he's for darn sure the grandkids didn't have to work. And so who appreciated that wealth? Nobody. Now, that guy would have gotten a whole lot more out of it by giving it to God's use, passing on enough for his kids to get education and so forth, but he'd have gotten a lot more bang for his bucks by investing it in the kingdom of God to leave it to a bunch of folks who's just going to squander it and lose it. You see? So that's exactly what. Now, quickly, let's jump on this that, uh, that Grant gave us next week, last week. Number one, greed completely controls. It consumes us. The farmer was completely obsessed with his gain. You would thought when he found out my barns won't hold it all. Now, don't you feel like he had built barns sufficient to take care of his needs in all those years past. You, you understand? He had, he had sufficient storage for what he thought his ground could produce. So he already had sufficient storage. 
It wasn't like he was skimping, just barely skimping by. He already had sufficient storage. But now he had this abundant crop. And you'd have thought he'd say, well, hey, man, I might share some of this, you know. You ever heard somebody say, boy, if I had a million dollars, church never would have any need whatsoever? Well, you better check on your giving right now. I'm 40, I've been in the ministry 42 years. I've never seen anybody give more out of wealth than they did when they were ordinary. If you make $100,000 a year, which most of us never see, but if you made $100,000 a year, you know you're going to give what? $10,000 to the Lord. Now you make a million dollars a year. I'm going to write a check for $100,000. No, you write a check for $35,000, you're giving more than anybody else in the church. What happened to the percentage of your giving? No. It went from 10% to 3.5%. And I have never seen it when it wasn't true that way. Okay? It's what we're giving today that determines where our heart is. Our heart's not going to automatically change because we get more. Never does. We are who we are. We are who we are. There's an adage that is used in the uh, HR world, human resources world, when you get ready to hire an employee. And it's this. You will be what you were. You want to know what somebody's going to do? Just find out what they've been doing. What they're going to do is probably what they've been doing. Because, you know, we're over seven years old. We are who we are. We have formed our likes and our dislikes. We formed our personalities. We formed our, you know, and, and now then the only thing that changes that is a spiritual experience with Jesus Christ. That and that alone changes who we are. Now, it controls us. You know, the rich man came to Jesus wanting, wanting to be right with God. He came and said, God, what must I do to have everlasting life? He wanted to be right with God, but what happened? What happened was, was that when it came right down to it, he was controlled by his possessions, not by his want to, to follow God. He said he wanted to, but in the end, he really wasn't ready to give up what he had. Not only does greed control, it also corrupts. Now, we don't know for sure about this farmer guy or even this rich young man. But in James 5, 1 through 6, he says, here's the way it's ordinarily done. You rich people should cry and weep. Terrible things are going to happen to you. Your treasures have already rotten and moths have eaten your clothes. Your money has rusted and the rust will be evidence against you as it burns your body like fire. 
yet you keep on storing up wealth in these last days. You refuse to pay the people who work in your fields, and now their unpaid wages are shouting out against you. The Lord all-powerful has surely heard the cries of the workers who harvested your crops. While you were here on earth, you thought only of filling your own stomachs and having a good time, but now you'll be like fat cattle on their way to be butchered. You have condemned and murdered innocent people who couldn't fight back. Money corrupts. Deborah Ballard, not in here. Oh, here she is. Deborah Ballard. It's all right. Had an emergency. Many and much wealth is gained, power is gained by crookedness. Uh, one of the things, and I don't know how to do this, but one of the things the early church did, the early church started paying the salaries of politicians so that when they got in power, they didn't have to take bribes to get by. Isn't that crazy? But the church decided the only way we were ever going to have good government was to get the corruption out of politics. And so the church, the early church, decided that what we need to do is elect some politicians and make sure they have sufficient enough to live on, hold them accountable, so that they will not be involved in corruption. Enough said. That's where we are. It's corruption. Greed corrupts. Now here's what 1 Timothy 6 says about that. Warn the rich people of this world not to be proud or to trust in the wealth that is easily lost. Tell them to have faith in God. Not stuff, but God. Who is rich and, and blesses us with everything we need to enjoy life. Instruct them. Do as many good deeds as they can to help everyone. Remind the rich to be generous and share what they have. This will lay a solid foundation for the future so that they will know what, is, what true life is like. And when you go back and you look at what Peter had said, Lord, Lord what about us? And the Lord said, Peter, you're not going to suffer lack. I'm going to take care of you both in this world and in the world to come. It's kind of dumb. It's kind of dumb to trust stuff rather than trusting God the Bible says he owns it all he says all the silver is mine all the gold is mine he said I own the cattle on a thousand hills now here's the deal folks just real honest about it as we sit here today claiming to be believers in Jesus Christ we the is ain't 
we are really believers and trusting God for everything we need or we're actually managing our own affairs and trusting our ability to take care of ourselves, not God's ability to take care of us. Bottom line. Now, not only that, greed uh, leads to self-worship. That story of the farmer, he referred to himself 13 times in three verses. How can you do that? I'm not sure I could write three sentences and stick myself into it 13 times. In 13, he referred to himself 13 times in three verses. Would you want to guess what was on his mind? Yeah, that'd be right. Him. Wasn't God. You know how many times he referred to God? Zippo. None. Who was the most important person in his life? You know, that's what the original sin was. Satan sneaks up on Adam and Eve and says, hey, you can be like God. You don't, have to, you don't have to be bossed around by God. You can boss yourself. You don't have to do what God says. God's a mean old God. He's told you you can't eat of that tree. Well, go ahead and eat of it. You're, you're as good as God is. Be God of your own life. And the original sin was this. God, I don't care who you are. God, I don't care what you've said. I'm going to do what I want to do. And basically, that's the definition of sin. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what God, who God is. I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. Go ahead. But you won't be happy. The rich young man never bowed the knee to Christ. Who he was, what he had, in the end was more important to him than Jesus. Who he was, what he had. He was more important to himself than God was. And lastly, greed brings judgment. The story of the rich young man ends with the word sad. He went away sad. How dumb can you be? What had he come there for to begin with? To know how to have eternal life. How did he leave? Sad. The story of the rich farmer, how did it end? Dead. Dead. Okay? Not life. Dead. Jesus says, I mean, the Paul through, Christ through Paul says, hey, look, you, you lay up a foundation for yourself in heaven. You'll both know what it is to feel good and have riches. You'll also know what it is to be spiritually blessed. He told Peter, Peter, put your chest back in. I'm the one in charge, and I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to take care of you. Luke 16 makes it clearer talks about another rich man and a beggar that got laid at his gate full of sores and it wasn't long they both died and you know what it says about the rich dude it said he lifted up his eyes in hell that's the judgment eventually stuff 
the worship of stuff, the worship of self, leads to hell. Hell's not a popular word. Oh, preachers ought not preach about hell. That turns people off. That's why preachers, you just can't, you just can't preach at hell, fire, and brimstone. People won't accept that anymore. That's a problem to begin with. That's the whole problem. Doesn't change the outcome. Doesn't change the outcome. The outcome's the same. When anything's put ahead of Jesus Christ, when my God is not Jesus, I'm in trouble. Grant asked the question last week, is your life marked by giving or getting? If somebody just, there were two questions on a questionnaire. John Latimer, getting or giving? Where would they put the check? Where would you have to put your own check? What's more important to you? Being a generous person, loving, kind, going out of your way type person to serve and help other people? You know, I get to speak about once a month to the lowest paid echelon of people in our nursing homes. The CNAs that make minimum wage and they're the ones though that hands on take care of old people. They love old people. And one thing I have to tell them, and I really hadn't found a good way to say this, I'm just gonna say it. It couldn't be anything worse than anything Grant said, so I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I tell them, those of you who change poopy pants. To me, they're the most Christ-like people in the world. Now think about it. The whole Bible, the whole Bible is about humbling yourself, being a servant, caring about others, putting others first. Huh? Now go out there and do that. How much you love somebody else? Enough to do that? Oh, yeah, maybe for your sick mama, your sick daddy. Maybe that. Maybe for your little baby, your little child. I'm talking about strangers. I'm talking about strangers that are mad at you because they don't know what's going on. I'm talking about strangers that cuss you because their parents put them in such a place, and that's the right thing to do, but they're still angry about it. They're frustrated. They're upset. You understand? That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a heart of giving and service and love and charity and generousness. That's being Christ-like. That's taking that crossroad, that cross path. Follow me. Walk in the same footsteps I'm walking. In Matthew 6, 24, your heart will always be where your treasure is. Is your heart loyal to Christ or stuff? Come on, guys. Heavenly Father, I don't even know what an invitation ought to be today. 
probably it's a good time to give a salvation invitation because the fact of the matter is there's a whole lot of people in that condition just because they hadn't chosen Jesus to believe in him, trust in him, follow him. Some just need to come down and get saved. Others just need to do an outright reality check. The world is constantly beating on us. That every 10 minutes on the television, there's a commercial. Get this and you'll be happy. Buy this. This'll, this is the best. You, you, you deserve it. You're worth it. Get this. Get that. Computer just commercial, pop-up commercial. The whole world says stuff. Going here doing this is going to make you happy. And we've got to do a reality check today to see who's God. Me and what I want or the Lord Christ and what He wants. Lord, have your will, have your way as we worship together. Amen.